So, Duncan, regarding the new SEO practices and the new whole the new whole algorithm with search engines and now this whole perspective of whether Facebook is the it's the king of social media or whether this new platform is the king of social media or now we have this new perspective that everyone is looking very heavily into LinkedIn. And in the past, I used to think like, well, I go to LinkedIn whenever I'm just looking for a job. If I'm employed, I don't use LinkedIn. When I'm unemployed, I brought up my resume and then I go into LinkedIn, update it, and I tell everyone, hey, I'm unemployed. I'm here. Come find me. I'm looking for a job. Please. I'm nice. Here's a nice picture of me. But now, now it's different. Now, even if you're not even looking for a job, people are actually networking. They're really using LinkedIn for networking. And even companies have begun using LinkedIn to actually showcase their milestones and their story of what their projects and everything that they've build, been building for their company. Even their culture is being showcased through LinkedIn. And... It's been amazing how I've been able to actually find companies around the world through LinkedIn, whereas if I was looking for that company through culture or through certain keywords, I would, I would have never been able to actually find them using Google or using Bing or using Yahoo, even though I was actually looking for those terms. But whenever they would pop up on LinkedIn, I would click on that term and I would immediately see them. What are your thoughts about this whole new thing that algorithms are, are being changed, but now this new, this new thing about organical is really being king. This new organic search and feel, it's actually being king, how it was supposed to be since the beginning. I think it's further proof that for a business owner or an entrepreneur or just a networker, you should never put all your eggs in one basket. Um, Facebook, I think, is just the king because of its size. I mean, it does offer a lot of capabilities, but it's, its sheer size and ability to reach so many millions of people, that's why it's the king. But every network has its own capabilities. So LinkedIn... It, as you said, you're right. It continues to be the spot for networking, of course, for job searching, but also to present yourself as an industry expert. Um, ever since LinkedIn launched its um, long-form publishing, which I think happened maybe f four years ago, four or five years ago, if, if it was that long ago, LinkedIn has further cemented itself as a place to go for not just networking, not just jobs, but industry expertise and to present yourself as an industry expert because you can publish as if you were publishing on a blog. And it also, as you pointed out, has information about companies that you can't find in other places. And I think that works to the company's advantage. And I think it works to the searcher's advantage because a company can share information with potential employees and potential partners that it doesn't necessarily find a spot for on its website, uh, but also searchers, just like you had the experience of, can find more information about a company through LinkedIn than you could ever find on a website because it's just not the kind of information like about employees and about um, you know, uh, um, 
products, maybe even that that a, a business to business, for example, wouldn't be posting on their website. So I I think it just adds to the argument that there's no one site for every business. I think it's helpful to diversify. It, it is it is very interesting. You you just brought up a, good, a very good point. I as of right now, I'm actually uh, doing consulting for a business, and they've been they've been in the consulting for 20 years. Obviously, they could be my mentors. Obviously. Mm -hmm. I'm, only, I'm only 33 years old. And I know how to recognize when people are more experienced than me. At this point in my life, I still tell everyone, anyone could be more experienced than I am. For real. Even, right. if, you, even if you're 35 years older, even if you're 35 years, and you're you're only two years older than me. I will still recognize that perhaps you still know better than me, because your experiences are different than mine, and you might know things that I don't, which better equip you for for things that I don't know. Now, this person has been twenty years into certain specific areas of project management. One of the things that they've never gotten into is user interface and um, user experience. Their, their website, it's very outdated. Although it looks 2012 and we're in 2018, and you might say, it's only six years. Six years in the internet era is disastrous. I mean, if you download a template that was designed for 2016 and you use that template right now and then you run it by Google and it tells you your website is not mobile friendly, what do you think it's going to happen? A lot of people will not use that, that website. You're not going to rank very well and SEO and web crawlers are not going to do you a very good job and probably you're not going to be um, ranking in the top 10 or any anytime soon. So you're going to have to spend a lot more time just trying to get somewhere just because of that fact that doesn't that doesn't say that very good content will not help you propel get to there but it just might take a little a little bit better um and obviously a lot of people actually judge a book by their cover so unfortunately <laughs> but the point that i'm trying to make is that this person was just trying to cram so much information into their website and i kept telling them look your website is just like your business card. In your business card, what you want to tell them is, this is who I am. This is my contact information, how to get in touch with me. And if you want to be able, if, if you want to add just a one-liner of a brand, you just feel like you're tagline or something, that's it. That's all you gotta, that's all you gotta do. You don't want to add your manifesto on your on your business card. You don't want to add uh, the, the gospel, you don't want to add the whole, I don't know, a whole credo of your company on a, on a business card. You, you hand them an ebook, you hand them, uh, you don't, I don't know, you add a QR code that they, they can scan and then you invite them through a QR code to your website where they go and they scan that or they download an ebook. You give them some type of gamification so they can start engaging with you. You, you create some sort, some sort of 
CTA, call to action. So they start engaging with you of or some sort of way. But you don't you don't cram so much information some somehow that they just go crazy. Like what what is this? And it doesn't look appealing. That's how Apple became Apple by minimalizing things. They started creating a brand because it looked sexy because it didn't have so much stuff crammed into it. Whereas Microsoft in the nineties, it has so much stuff in their packaging. You just were, you were just about to have kind of like a feature, just looking at the colors <laughs> and so many things. And Apple just went white. I mean, gray and white. And that was it. And it was like, Oh my God, that looks sexy. And then it looked liquid and that was it. That's all job that Steve Jobs wanted to do. And Nike was just black and white and then just just do it and that was it. Simple stuff, right? I completely agree, especially from a design perspective. I think where we can draw the line is where it turns into SEO. So absolutely, from a design perspective, six years is an eternity. I mean, you could just imagine trying to use your phone with everything that you want to do with your phone from six years ago. Imagine trying to do everything you do now on your phone from 2012. It would be impossible. But I think there's... So I, I think design has come a long way and we and there's yeah. no reason to pile on a ton of stuff, a ton of text that people aren't going to read. At the same time, I would maybe add to the business card idea that it's your business card plus your first two meetings. Which would mean that the, the ways you can inform your clients and your customers, the ways you can educate your clients and your customers don't have to negatively affect the design of the website. So you can have the, the information you would offer to somebody about, this is why our products are great. Here's what you need to know if you're looking for a solution in our industry. All that stuff can be on your blog and does not have to negatively impact your, your homepage or your design or your, your, the clean lines, for example, of your website at all. You can still have all the information so that from an SEO perspective, you're searchable and findable and they can get the information they need, but keep people on your site for the reason they came and not distracted by all these other bells and whistles. Well, just like uh, in in our previous uh, episode, I t we talk about this is marketing from Seth Godin, and I kept saying it's all about story. And I go sometimes I go to certain websites, and the way that they're just designed, it's it's story. And I love I love the um, Lighthouse Media Marketing website because it's a story. It's a one page and it's just a story. It's very well designed. It's an experience by itself because I go and I immediately know this is who we are. These are our services. This is our team. Contact us. And it's simple. And it feels fresh. It's easy on the eyes. It's flat design. It pops. It, I mean, the fonts are very, are very clear. It's, they're, they're flat fonts. And it's so simple, so elegant. And people sometimes forget that. I mean, sometimes people are like, I like this font and this is the one that I want to use. I like this color. This is the one that I want to use. Well, it's not the one that you want to use. It's the one that tells the story you want to be able to tell. What is a story that you want to be able to tell for the people that you want to tell? And it took me two weeks to create my avatar. 
And this is something that people people forget. And it is the first thing that you want to do. So you want to create a business, create an avatar, right? Right. Who is your target audience? And I love I love Pat Flynn. I bought his book, Will It Fly? And I I uh, I heard it. I bought the I bought the Kindle version with the audio and I heard the book and well listen, I listen. Sorry, in Puerto Rico heard and listen, escuchar y oír kind of kind of <laughs> trapped into right. listening hearing and sometimes Spanglish gets into the middle of the things. So I listened to the book and and it was like okay, awesome. And I put it away. And then when I started doing Michael Media again, I said, let me listen to the book again to the, the, the parts that I actually uh, bookmarked. And I want to listen to them. And then I started listening to This is Marketing by Seth Goding and then started um, Book Yourself Solid from Michael Port. And I matched this all together along with my knowledge. And I said, you know what, Miguel, this is the one time you actually have to do your avatar because you have to do this. You have way too much knowledge and you have to, you have to pinpoint that person and creating your avatar. is very important because if you have that, that demographic, then you can actually start, you know, researching that demographic. What do they like? Where are they? What colors? What are the funds? And then once you have that, then you can start building your platform around that information. And it's so much easier for you. So much easier. What are the colors? Are they, what colors do they like? What tone do they like? What message do they like? What are they against? What are they for? What, what, I mean, it's so much easier. And, it, it's, and people, are, people sometimes tell me, well, are you building for them or to them? And I tell them, well, it's not to them or for them. I'm building this because I believe in my product. I believe in what I'm doing. But I have to know who my target audience is. Because if I, if I'm, if I have this mentality of, if you build it, they will come. I mean, that only worked in the movie. And it's only because, because of Darth Vader was in the movie. And, and, that, was, <laughs> and that, that was it. Right. <laughs> Kudos to James Earl Jones. This is the second time that I've been able to tell this joke into my podcast. Yes. <laughs> nice. I love awesome. it. Awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, creating your avatar is one of the main, one of the main points uh, for any business and mainly in social media, you have to know who you are, what tone and message you're using and where, who are you catering for? If not, it's not that you're doomed to fail, or you're going to be like, you're going to be in a room uh, with no lights and just stumbling upon walls upon walls and not knowing where are you headed towards to. Right. If, and I think there's two, there's two levels of this issue, two levels of this problem. There's skipping it altogether, which of course is disaster, but then there's also not going far enough. I mean, I love the way you describe it as an avatar because let's say you're, your basic, very generic audience is 35-year-old moms. If you can name that person and know where does she live and how many kids does she have and what are her interests and what does she, how does she pay the rent? Uh, you know, every one of those details contributes to 
your bottom line because it makes it so much easier to market to that person once you know that person. So it's not just a matter of, of a generic, uh, you know, it's this age or it lives in this city. Give that person a name. Find out where they go on the weekends. But if you know all that information, it will save you tons of time and help your marketing be so streamlined that um, you know all the other stuff is is um, you know it's a piece of cake. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I, I love Cherry. Cherry is my avatar. Cherry is a twenty-one nine-year-old entrepreneur. She's a single. Um, She's a single female. She lives in Umacao, Puerto Rico. That's the East Coast part of Puerto Rico. And she wants to uh, create uh, create her own startup project where she uh, starts selling fashionable clothes over the internet that 30% of the revenue goes toward socially um, profitable businesses that takes care of environmental issues, uh, animal awareness issues, and health issues uh, across the world and helps um, everyone that she can. Uh, the rest of the 70%, she, 10%, she donates to charities on her own behalf, and the 60%, it's for herself um, of that income. It, it's, uh, it's not her solopreneur, but that's it. She's a... Uh, She's what everyone would call an airheaded, light-spirited um, person. And she doesn't understand a single thing about social media other than posting on Instagram and using Facebook and replying ha-ha-ha and things like that. She's been trying to Google how to do SEO, how to SEO for fools, how to SEO for idiots and such. And she has given up because she has bought... 10 or more Udemy courses, but she does not have the time to actually do any of them or she can't figure them out. Or whenever she starts doing something, apparently Google changes the algorithm and then it's not nothing and she's hired experts and then they scan her or things have happened that nothing has happened. So she needs a guide. She needs someone that has integrity and guides her all the way through that lives in Puerto Rico and wants to help her grow her business and it's side by side and wants to mentor, mentor her. Hi, Michael Media to your services. You're welcome. That is phenomenal. I may bug you after we're done with our with the podcast today. Um, if you have a written description of that, I might have to use, steal that as an example because that is amazing. And I think there are people who would say, but that, wait a minute, that's too specific. No, 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 no. If you can get, if you can capture and conquer a niche audience, they will be your clients for life. And it's, there's going to be overlap. You, obviously, obviously, you're not going to get every single one of your clients to fit that exact description. You don't, you don't need to. You're going to go after that description. And then people who have slight variations on that theme will come to you. I, that's amazing. I would love to get a, a copy of that if you haven't said that. <laughs> Seriously, I know. So, <laughs> those of you listening, Michael, uh, Michael is, is laughing because I, I made him choke because I loved it so much. <laughs> for you, uh, for you out there, um, I just have a cold uh, that my baby daughter just um, infected me with. 
So I am doing my very best not to cough while <laughs> I am recording this podcast. And I am using my very, very deep voice to record this. <laughs> so thank you, Duncan. <laughs> All right. But yes, I agree. Um, avatars are extremely important. And that was the very first thing that I did. And around that, I built all the colors and everything on my website. And I wanted to do, make it so it looked very flashy and it, very, it looked very technological. And then nothing happened. And I'm like, and this is before the avatar. And I'm like, this is not working. And then I changed it a little bit and then nothing happened. I created my avatar and I built it around the avatar and then boom, out of nowhere, everyone started popping in and I proved the point and I said to my wife, I just proved myself the point that I wanted to prove myself, but I did it just this way to prove myself so I could go to, I could go towards the mirror and tell self, you're an idiot. Yeah, that, I mean, that's one of the things that I think it plagues marketing as much as any other business. There's the old, yes. um, you know, the old, uh, what's the old, um, I don't know where the expression comes from, but it, it's an English expression and it's something like uh, the, the cobbler's kids have no shoes or something like that. And right. the idea is that the, the shoemaker is so busy with clients that they don't take care of his own family. Yeah, um, I know. And, and, and the same thing is true with marketing. I think we forget to, one, market ourselves as marketers, right. and two, practice what we preach. And that's a fantastic example of yeah. you have been telling people, come up with an avatar, you did it, and it worked. Yeah. And one of the, one of the, uh, the funny things is that this client that I mentioned uh, that I'm consulting for, um, I told them, uh, I, believe, I bet you're target audience and i can look it up in the int uh, right now on the internet in similarweb.com i can look it up right now and this is a free tool i can look it up right now and i bet your target audience are females 35 to 44 year, year old here in puerto rico looking to develop themselves as a career and then you can confirm that with the last 10 customers that you've had in your business which you can confirm of in, through an Excel spreadsheet that you have right now within the last 12 months of your business. Guess what? 88% of their customers over the last three years, we did that experiment, three mm -hmm. years, yeah. have been females, 35 to 44-year-olds, mainly, mainly lawyers, pharmaceutical um, uh, industry, and finance industries. And then I, and I, and then I told them, how many of, you, of them are new customers? About 60%. 60 how many of them have been, have been returning customers? 10%. I can guarantee you that in the, in the next year, I can make that 10% become a 40%. And then by, 20, by 2021, I can guarantee that that will be a 60%. How? Hire me and, and we'll, we'll be making business. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show you how. Yeah. I'll show you how. And not with any course. I'll show you how. It will be extremely simple. But that's the, that's, that's the story, um, that's the story that, that they need. And 
just because of creating avatars, just because of creating, um, creating of having that data, having that ideal customer, that target customer. Right. It's very important. And people think that this is just social media. Whenever you're creating a product, and this is something that advertisers used to do. What is the ideal cost? What is this uh, cost? Uh, this product for? Who will be using this product? Oh, housewife. Which housewife? Right. Which housewife? TV show? Right. Exactly. <laughs> Who is she? Where does she live? What's her? You know, how old is she? What, and and yeah. what is the household income? First off, I mean that that is a legitimate question because uh, are they and I don't mean I don't mean to be disrespectful here, but are they uh, are they uh, a trophy house uh, trophy housewife or are they uh, are they a uh, fifty to seventy five uh, thousand household income housewife or are they uh, a medium size you know those type of, those type of things are they uh, a housewife that it's very pro. Uh, very pro um, technology. Are they a housewife that it's a a go getter? Are they a housewife that it's just a stay stay at home mom? Are they a housewife that it's a entrepreneur mom that that likes to blog and do a couple of things? Are they a housewife that it's that it's a uh, that is involved in the community and then goes and picks up their kids and does a couple of things? Or they, are they just a housewife that likes to stay at home and do nothing? I mean, what is the pro what what kind of product are we talking about and who is it for? That type of target audience and segmentation and niche marketing, it's very important so you know who you're targeting for. Because if it's a stay-at-home mom, perhaps, yeah, Facebook is the is is where you want to talk where you want to go. And at the same time, you that product might be very good for QVC and being at Ellen and Oprah. Right. Who knows? Yeah, and and then you have you have all, all around marketing. If it's a product that, if it's a product that's very exclusive, very high end, you don't want to be you don't want to be on Facebook. You want to be at Macy's. You want to be at a high end store, uh, marketing yourself in a very high end level that uh, it's very exclusive. Because you right, we. Oh yeah, so I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt, but right, we assume we have to assume that the entrepreneur knows her products. Yeah. So that's the first step. I think, I think it's probably a given. I, I don't think there's an entrepreneur that would get into a business or a business owner or a marketer without knowing their own product. But where they miss is, do you know for whom is this product a solution? Who is the target audience? That's where they miss. So as long as, as long as they've got that first step covered, which we assume they do, what is the product, then they can start to build the avatar. Then they can start to find out where does this person live online? Are they on Facebook? Are they in, on Instagram? So as long as they have that first step, which again, we, we assume they do, then it's time to move on to avatar audience and where are they? Yeah, correct. Um, Last week, I received the um, the latest Entrepreneur Magazine on mail, and one of the things that I read on the magazine was that podcasting was becoming big again. I remember podcasting on 2007, and one of my teachers said, no one has figured out podcasting just yet. And no one has figured out how to make money out of out of podcasting. And then podcasting be, uh, became a very big thing. And I believe that around 2012, it kind of died. Just like blog became a very big thing and then it died and then became a very big thing again. And 
somehow it's been kind of dying again or not dying, but it's kind of, there are so many people out there right now blogging that it's kind of, there's too much noise. And now it's so easy to do a podcast in the past. It used to, it required almost uh, rocket science knowledge to actually just create a podcast and find a way to host it and create an RSS just to get it onto iTunes. If you didn't have a Apple computer and a dot Mac, it used to be dot Mac. Then it used to be mobile me. Then and now is iCloud. I know I'm old and I used to sell <laughs> products. I used to sell dot Mac. Then I used to sell mobile me. Then I sold iCloud. I was an Apple employee. Yes. Um, it, it is to be very difficult now with uh, all all the new advance in, uh, advancements in technology. It's very simple to just start recording and and get on with it. The problem, I, yeah. Oh no, go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your thought. Go ahead. The 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 thing that I'm that I'm looking at is that people are. People are looking for better ways to communicate and share their messages. And now what I'm finding is there's a whole lot of people with very great, that are great source of knowledge and are cheering way to more, uh, way, 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 way great content out there. And thanks to you podcasting, instead of having to do this over and over and over um, thing, thinking of, I have to write 500 words just to get it right and then autocorrecting and then uh, how do I write this so it makes sense and storytelling and heading and, and then doing this. I can just hit record and start talking and then I just do this and that's the way that they that they communicate and that's it. And and they do a eight-minute podcast and it's just like, whoa, and that's it. And every day they publish a new episode five days a week and it's just amazing. And they communicate and they create their own niche market. And even, even if they do, even if they have 240 subscribers that they listen to their podcast daily, 240 subscribers that listen to your podcast daily, that's a lot of people. 240 times five, that's amazing. I mean, daily, uh, I'm doing the math right now. That's uh, 1,200 listens per day. In a week, that's 6,000. In a year, that's 312,000 plays on your on your uh, podcast per year just with 240 uh, listeners or subscribers to your podcast. I mean, that's a pretty, that's a, that's, in my opinion, that's pretty big. And that's a, that's a niche market. And you might say, well, I mean, but Seth Godin, yeah, but Seth Godin is Seth Godin. He's been doing this for a, for a very long time. I only, as of right now, as of December 17th of 2018, I only have five episodes and I have 114 plays. And I'm very proud of those because I am no one. Well, I am me and I'm a father. I'm someone to other people, <laughs> but I am building my own brand and I am building my own persona. And, that's, and, and it takes a long time. But 
I mean, it takes, it takes a lot, it takes time. And I've had, and I haven't been consistent in doing this, but still people have been getting into listening to my podcast and people have reached out and said, you have really good content. I would like to listen to more of this. And I'm like, well, 2019 is a year of creation for me and I'm definitely pushing forward. I'm working on my podcast. I'm working on my business and no later than April, I'm going to be publishing my book, my very first book that I've been, that I've been, um, not working on since 2016. I'm finally going to be doing that. Um, and th thank God for my wife for helping me on and going through with me on so many things. But um, there's way too many projects that I'm working on at the same, uh, the same time. Um, and I decided to do all this. But going back, to, going back to this is the fact that a lot of people are trying to communicate now with podcasting rather than blogging while a lot of people are switching from podcast to blog, while a lot of people are switching from traditional journalism to becoming bloggers. And a lot of people who used to be in YouTube are now switching to over to other different platforms just because whatever was working for them is no longer working. You've been on the internet, I don't want to say for a while, but you've seen waves how do you see all this? What's what's your expertise and experience, or your thoughts about people switching over and over um, things? What? Do you, how do you see this? Um, is this a change of heart? Is this part of the internet that happens ever so often, or or? Well, it's hard to speak to the individual cases. So, in other words, like if if we want to identify a marketer or a company that kind of that flip-flops, that is something I, I don't really understand. And, and, and maybe they have their own reasons, but in general, I don't think that's a good idea. But I think there's, there's, there's a great example of the noise to content trend <clears throat> or pardon me, <clears throat> or the, um, the way, the way various media become populated. The, the great example, I think, is television, where 30, 40 years ago, there were three networks. Maybe some very smaller networks. Maybe there was, you know, of course, there was public television, but there were basically three networks. And everybody points to this as an example of how, you know, in the course of a, a few decades, there are thousands of channels. Now, and I'm, I'm only talking about um, I'm only talking about television. I'm not talking about the millions of channels that exist now on Facebook and YouTube where you can watch anything and everything and everybody in their living room and their cat has a TV show. Just on television, there are thousands of channels. So what that means is that, yes, there is noise, but that noise finds an audience. That noise finds a niche audience and a show that would never have made it on the air 30 years ago has a place. And I think the same is true for social media. You know, the content that never would have had a place on a billboard or on a radio spot or on a TV commercial, that content has a place now. It has, or, or you know, I'll, I'll use the long form example of, um, of the home shopping network, so or or an infomercial, so content that never would have gotten picked up or uh, had a place on in, on an infomercial now has a, a place. It now has a home, and and people are using that niche content. So yes, there is noise, but the good content will find a way to rise to the top. And I'll I'll go back as a as a concluding thought on this question. Go back to your example of podcasting. 
You're right. Podcasting has seen this interesting roller coaster of popularity. And I think part of what happened was that people realized there could be good content, just this, just like with blogging. They realized, okay, this is not just, it doesn't just have to be someone, you know, kind of letting their thoughts loose with no kind of storytelling arc. There can be good content like uh, Serial or, uh, you know, some of these, these podcasts that have just taken off and exploded and are still, you know, the most popular, most downloaded podcasts, even after the season is over. Years after the season is over, Serial from previous seasons is still one of the most downloaded podcasts because people have seen this now as a medium where they can produce good content and it will be found. I mean, the movie The Martian started just as a blog. I didn't know that. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that fact. The, the book started out as a blog, then wow. it was entries, entries as a blog, then it became a book, and then it became a movie. I didn't Ima know that. Huh? That's fascinating. Imagine that. I didn't know that until I started um, digging into the movie itself, and then I was, I just, it just blew me away. The guy started... It started um, He created a blog and then he started, you know, typing in about entries about this guy who has been abandoned in Mars and how he would feel like he got into this persona. Again, he, this avatar of how he would feel and his day-to-day uh, -day and he, how he would um, transcribe everything on, on this blog. And that's how the novel came to be. And that's how later on he had to edit everything in a way that it would look, it, it would be more of a storytelling for the book. And then it became a script for the movie where um, Matt Damon um, once again had to make the U.S. government spend a whole lot of money to go and get him. <laughs> I had yeah, to make the joke. Uh, no, it's a good joke. I like it. I, you know, I, and the same question applies to uh, the music world too. music content. Would Justin Bieber have gotten a record contract were it not for YouTube? And the answer is possibly, but these outlets have allowed that cream to rise. We have, you know, it's just more ways. Yes, there's noise, but it's more ways for good content to be discovered. So I, I, I love that example of The Martian, and that made me think of the, the Justin Bieber YouTube example, too. More ways for discoverability can give us great content. I mean, all the, back to my television example, I mean, think about all these Emmy Awards given and all the this huge popularity of shows like um, The Sopranos and Breaking Bad. Now, granted, those are on large networks, too. Those are on large cable networks, but you know, it's a similar, similar way that, you know, when, when you have more, yeah. more accessibility, more, more opportunities for, for good content, it will be out there. It well, will be published. Well, another, another person that, that thanks to uh, social media was able to become uh, one of the best performers out there, Arnel Pineda, Journey's uh, new singer. Oh, interesting. He, they, they found him because he was sing singing one of Journey's songs on YouTube and all of a sudden it wasn't like, uh, we need this guy. And they flew him and he's now part of the uh, Journey, the band. I mean, and I remember that story, yeah. 
And um, and in the past, it used to be very weird because I obviously um, not a whole lot of people. Uh, obviously, I'm a metal fan. Um, but have you watched the movie The Rockstar with um, Mark Wahlberg and Jennifer Aniston? I think I've seen pieces of it. I remember the movie. I remember the trailers. And I can't remember if I've seen it all the way through. But I know the, the basic story of it. Long story short, it's basically they took elements of the story from the band Judas Priest and they implemented the story of uh, of the second singer from Judas Priest who, uh, I forgot his name, but he's uh, G- uh, Tim the Ripper Owens. He was an account, a 35-year-old accountant on living in the in Midwest uh, US and the Two guitarists from Judas Priest walk into this bar in the middle of the of Midwest U- United States, and they see this tribute for Judas Priest, and they're going like, "Oh well, yeah, all right, let's just walk in here and see what we find find out." Original founding member and sing or and singer from Judas Priest, Rob Halford, had just quit the band because he no longer felt like being in the band because of certain personal issues. I will not get into those, and. They they were they had no singer and then Tim Owens starts singing and we're just like they dropped their jaw and they were like oh my god this guy's amazing they flew they f- just flew back to London they're like we need to get this guy they get in contact they get the guy flew him back into London it's kind of like the same thing that happened in the movie uh, in the rock star the, and then the guy gets to be to be in the band that he grew up listening to. Um, in the movie, what happened was it's in the 80s and there was this VHS that had been recorded and they see it. But it took days and tickets to actually get it going and see if the guy was legit. In today's world, in 2018, all you need is a YouTube video and that's it. Right. Which is what, back to your point, that's all you need right now for someone like Arnel Pineda or someone like um, Justin Bieber, although I would have preferred that Justin Bieber's account would have been disconnected. <laughs> You're probably not alone in that yeah. request. Yeah. <laughs> what, the world would have been a better place. <laughs> All right. So um, as we uh, are closing down on this episode, what are your, what do you see going on in um on the internet in the next in the next uh, few years, because as of right now, the trend, the most searched question according to uh, Google is, "What is Bitcoin?" <laughs> and then, I, I one of the things that, that I, well, what was funny uh, yesterday in, in my search on according to Google, was that should I, according to the different states, and according to Nevada, it was, should I buy Bitcoin? And according to California, it was, should I move? According to uh, Seattle, was, should I vote? And according to the different states, was, should I vote? Should I move? Should I do this? Should I do that? Um, even Florida was, should I vote? If, hmm. I'm, not, if, if I'm not mistaken. But... I believe that there's this new hunger for uh, better technology, more efficiency, 
and better things and not just better connection or better higher higher internet speed or high or better phones or better ai or better machine learning it's just like we want our society and our technology to actually be at the same level so we want to actually have that kind of synergy not singularity but that kind of synergy uh yeah singularity is not happening for a while i believe but we we kind of we kind of want like that kind of uh, integrity between uh, humankind and technology to actually be on go hand in hand, and a lot of people are actually looking towards blockchain technology for governance and for transparency and that sort of thing, and they're actually calling on to social media platforms for. Uh, having transparency and and clearing up more governance or having better uh, solutions to provide uh, better user experiences or even I want more privacy and I want to actually own my intellectual property. I want to own my data and I don't want you to treat me as a product. I want to be, you are the product and I'm actually using your platform. I don't want it to be the other way around. What are your thoughts about this point? I uh, well, to to touch on Bitcoin briefly, it seems, like, and I don't know that much about Bitcoin, but it seems like it has seen sort of a similar uh, roller coaster path as podcasting, where you know it was it was all the rage and people were talking about it, and then it dropped off and was not popular, um, and and it was kind of laughed at, and now it's back. So I, who knows what's going to happen with the with the cryptocurrencies? Um, I, I imagine it'll it'll keep on the same pace for a little while. I, will it ever take over? That is yet to be determined. Um, I with other technology. Um, I had a thought that uh, was kind of related to the um, to the politics arena, and I th I think what we have started to see is more transparency from all sides. But the problem is um, we don't always know what we're talking about. So, for example. Um, you know, there's so much po uh, political talk on Facebook and Twitter now, but I think part of the issue is people not listening to each other because they don't understand politics themselves. Like, it's, it's easier for me to just start talking about something I know very little about because I have a platform to do that. Um, so I would like to see the, and this sort of came up, uh, I, I think this is sort of was part of your question, um, in terms of transparency, I would kind of like to see the government agencies and uh, being as transparent as businesses are and using social media to inform constituents so that we feel like we know what we're talking about, so that I'm not just going to Facebook to rant. I have some actual facts provided to me, not by the media, not by my neighbor, but by my city council, you know, I, that's where I would like to see things going. And I hope they are going in that direction. I think, I think the, the government side could learn a lot from what businesses are doing online with making things more transparent and more accessible. And I hope we're going in that direction. So that's, I know that's not a complete answer, but sort of a partial answer no, to where no. I at least think and hope things are going. No, you're actually, actually, Duncan, you bring a good, you bring a point that many people over in the blockchain are actually uh, saying. Um, many government agencies just 
appoint uh, press agents or just tell them you are the person in charge to uh, address uh, the media and go and talk to them. And if you uh, if something happens or if something for some reason um, CNN disapproves us, you're the scapegoat. You're going to be fired because if people dislike us, it's your fault because you didn't use the right tone and message. You didn't right. deliver it. You have to make people like us. But you did something horrible to those other people. How can I change that? You have to deliver the message. <laughs> but I'm just how you are the messenger. Right. How? <laughs> I mean, some people are just put in that situation where they're the scapegoat and I'm they're just gonna be killed. They're just gonna go out there and they're just gonna be killed. Um Which actually, uh, it's it's funny. Um, sometimes there's a now there's there's a a, a gap that was filled uh, thanks to the commun the blockchain and crypto sphere. There's the social manager and there's the press the press uh, ma media managers, and in between a new position uh, was created and it was called the community manager, and basically that person was the gap between both of them, mm. and. That person became the the face of uh, many blockchain projects in in the world, and that person sometimes was put in that tough spot. So, to all of those community managers out there that uh, are listening to me, I feel you. <laughs> I've yes, been you understand what you're going through. <laughs> I've been there. Thank yeah. you. To those about for those about to rock, I salute you. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> All right. Um, but yes, uh, um, what you said about the government agencies, a lot of people in the blockchain uh, space have been saying, instead of actually hiding behind that one person, why don't you all go and face the people, face everyone, hold yourself accountable. And when you don't, uh, you know, pull your own weight, resign. And you know why? Because we're going to bolt your ass off. Part of my French. <laughs> yeah, I, I I completely agree. I, I I mean, the whole separate podcast episode, we could talk about how we wish uh, politics was more transparent. But there's such an open opportunity through social media for that to happen. I don't know why more people don't take advantage of it because I I, I, I wonder if again I, separate rant. But I wonder if politicians are so out of touch they don't even realize that people are upset. Is that possible? Is it possible they're so out of touch that they don't even realize um, how upset we are that there's so much infighting? Well, Duncan, remember that uh, there was a congressman that asked the CEO of, of Google why his iPhone something or some I don't, I don't know the whole thing, but the guy was not familiar that. Um, Google doesn't make the iPhone. Yeah, it's it's a little ridiculous. Yeah, I mean that guy. But, that, that I mean that guy obviously has advisors that he get. He pays a lot of money, and right. even and even if it's an intern, he could he could have a very good intern that would get a lot of credit that could obviously tell him in three sentences, dude, that's an Apple. This is Google. Apple does this, Google right. does that, they integrate because of this, ergo, you're an idiot. <laughs> you should retire. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, 
like you said, another podcast for another occasion where <laughs> in which I should invite my my very good friend Ivan Gonzalez, who uh who actually is uh he just started his very own podcast called From Inside the Colony. And it's actually about politics from within Puerto Rico and about the US government and how we should all be paying attention to what's going on. But another another rant. Wow. Well, I'd let me know if that, if you do schedule that, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess we've, I guess we've covered all. Um, I guess that the, the only thing that I would like to ask you is uh, talk to me more in detail about what you're doing right now on your professional uh, front. We haven't talked. Doing- well, thank you for that opportunity. I mean, I, I've, I've absolutely enjoyed both of these conversations. I hope people will take some time to listen to part one and part two, because I love this conversation and always happy to have it. Um, but I do appreciate the opportunity to just mention what I'm, what I'm doing myself in work. Uh, I've got uh, two main projects right now. I am working on social media with a nonprofit organization on the uh, East Coast in Western Massachusetts, called PJ Library. It's a phenomenal organization that sends out free children's books, free picture books from ages um, six months through eight years old. And they have a couple programs for tweens as well for the older kids. But it's just such a wonderful program, partly inspired by uh, Dolly Parton's Imagination Library, which also sends out free books. So I'm on their marketing team helping out with social media. Um, So that's one big chunk of what I do. And another thing that I'm working on now is through my good friend, Julia Tice. Um, Met her the same way I met you through Splash Media U. And she's got a wonderful uh, small agency in... um, and I say small, not not in terms of capability, but in terms of you know client reach. She's she's focused on her local, her her locality, which is great. She's uh, operating out of the Twin Cities, out of Minneapolis, and also in St. Paul, Minnesota. And it's called. I think you actually alluded to the name earlier because you like the website, which is great. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It's called Lighthouse Marketing, and just like your website, she's got the media domain, so it's lighthousemarketing.media. So I do some consulting with her as well. Awesome. Yeah, the, we we actually brought you up on that point in the previous episode, the fact that people were always so focused on the we need to get the dot com man because if you if you don't get the dot com you're not for real dot net it's for fakers and dot org is for for nonprofits and now it's like. If you're not getting the .io, you're not a real tech company. <laughs> right, right, it's exactly. Like, and it's like, and now it's like, uh, are you for real? And and I and, and I wanted to get like a very cool uh, a very cool website and and the guys over at Hoover.com, which are phenomenal. Yes, I'm chilling. I like to I like to give credit where credit is due. And this is a non a non-paid sponsor. Hopefully they will become paid sponsors. At one point. <laughs> sure. But, of course. But Hover, it's my uh, domain registrar. And I was looking and looking and looking and all of a sudden I'm like, well, what should I do? And my wife, my wife says, well, you're always being saying you would just want to be Michael. And I'm like, well, that's true. I mean, I, what should I do? And then I, I figure out, I'm like, wait, they have that media. 
Let's see if they have Michael.media. Oh my God, they do. Oh my God, they do. And I'm like, just like, oh my God, MM, those are my initials. Michael Media. Oh my God, that's that's <laughs> it. This is meant to be. That's the name of my business. Wait, this is registered as a business name in Puerto Rico. It's not, oh my God, that's it. That's my name. That's my, it's my, it's meant to be. This is, oh, let me, let me sleep on this and, and let me see if, if, if you know, if, if the good Lord will, will enable this. And, <laughs> right. You know, right. Next day, um, as I'm sipping my coffee, it's like, let me check once again. I check both things and I'm like, okay, let me check if my bank accounts, my bank account will support this. Miguel, do you have enough money to actually buy another, another guitar? All right, let's do this. <laughs> and that was it. But I, nice. but yeah, I mean, Dot Media has been able to actually allow me to establish very good conversations because people are like, Really? That media is that? Is that a real thing? There's not a dot com. I'm like, no. This is the new internet. This is the, and that has allowed me to have a very good conversations, and that has positioned me as a as a person of interest and uh, and as a person of knowledge as an as an expert. And now, if you have a dot com, it's like, well, you're just another guy, right? And if it gets you, lost. It gets lost very quickly. If you have a dot a dot media dot io, if you have a dot project, I actually have a a uh, a dot project for another thing that I'm that I will be working in the very very long term, a nonprofit that I that I will be very working for, and it's meant for my daughter, and and people people love it, and even even the dot online uh, domain, they're just booming. I don't, I don't know where, and it's just amazing. So when, it, when you, when you send me that email and you said, I'm working for it, lighthouse media, a uh, lighthouse marketing dot media. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I love this. <laughs> uh, so a quick sidebar. Do you, do you happen to have, I, I do not have a custom license plate. Do you have a custom license plate? I do not. Okay. Here. So no, I'm the reason I ask is because I, I, I have to poke a little fun because I, I think dot online probably has its place, but to me, dot online is like the custom license plate for a Volkswagen bug, a Volkswagen beetle that says my bug. You had this, you're going to pay for a custom plate. We know it's a bug. We can see it's a bug. You don't have to say on your license plate, my bug. Why would you pay for that? So I love, I'm sure a dot online has a use, but to me, that's the first thing I, I thought of. We, well, we know it's online. You're, you're on a website. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's well, it's well. To be honest with you, I had I have a friend that he's like, um, his website it's Puerto Rican photographer dot photography. I'm like, are you, are you, are you for real? Yeah, see, that's a little redundant, and I and I don't mind the dot photography domain, but if you're going to use dot photography domain, use something else in the in the other part in the sub part. I forget which one is the subdomain, which, but you get what I'm saying. Use something else in the in the first part of that. Yeah, it's it's just it, it, I mean, people who have been using the dot online, which when they tell me, well, I bought about the domain. Yeah, which one is it? Uh, so and such dot online. I'm like, why do you got that one? Well, it was the cheapest one. I'm like, why do you think it's so cheap? Because no one's buying it. That's so funny. It's uh, no one. No one. I mean, uh, that's like buying the shirt that I'm with stupid. And who? <laughs> <laughs> oh, too funny. Too who funny. Do you think, who do you think buys that shirt? 
<laughs> the wife. Right, right. The wife. Because <laughs> because the, the husband will never ever buy that shirt. He will never ever buy that shirt. The wife will buy that shirt. <laughs> Obviously, so right. So I mean, oh, come on, know your audience, man. <laughs> right. All right. All right. Well, Duncan, thank you so much for for joining in this two part conversation for <laughs> Rock and Block. It has been both informing and hilarious, and I truly appreciate um, both. In all honesty, um, and I look forward to actually talking to you in the future. Hopefully, by uh, by that time, we will be um, either smarter and wiser or at least uh i don't know working together in some project oh i would love that well it was been it's been my pleasure miguel thank you so much for inviting me all right if you are listening to this podcast episode this means that it's already 2019 and you've had a very good starting of the year i truly appreciate your time in listening to this podcast episode and i would truly appreciate it if you would go over to itunes you would leave us a message of review and you would rate this podcast of five stars, not because of myself, but because of Duncan Gilman, because he is an amazing rock star and an amazing entrepreneur. Thank you so much. And thank you for being part of Rock and Block. See you all in the blockchain. Have a good one.